Oh, I can't hear you. Can't hear me. Oh. I wonder why that is. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, can you hear me? I think I can probably hear you now. Can you hear me now? Is that I'm working now? I, 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 can, I can hear you, Jonathan, but I don't know if you can... You not hear me? <laughs> I think that's right now. Is that us? <laughs> oh, fun. That was my fault. <laughs> Stuart's actually in the background here just now saying he's left a message for you. So he said, is that Jonathan you're speaking to? That's right. He said, I've just left a message for him regarding Cartville. That's so, right. I hope, I hope it was good news. It was good news. Excellent. Uh, it, it was good news. So uh, don't, don't, mention, don't mention any clients. No, we won't mention anything at all. So no, listen, that's great. Perfect. How are you? I'm very well, very well. Listen, I wanted to start off with some house price poker, right? So here's here house price. It's very easy. I will start off with the maddest story. And what I'm hoping that you're going to be able to do is to increase me. So my mad story was from yesterday. Property in the West End, home report at 535, goes to a closing date. Client puts in 603, so that's 13 above, 13% above home report value, right? 20 offers, we were 13th. 13th. 535 home report, 603 offer. Ah, that was our offer, and we were 13th. <clears throat> that's, that's just... That's insane. Bonkers. Yeah. Um, I mean, what? There was one on in Scotland last week or whatever because we were selling one in Jordan Hill. Um, mm -hmm. Just this week it went to a closing date and uh, one of the people offering on that, um, they had offered, I think it came on the market on the Friday, um, spate of viewings over the weekend, closed it on the Tuesday um, and that was kind of similar figures, I think, uh, for property in Scotland. Um, just they, they offered... Oh, was it they offered 40,000 or something? I think they said to me. Over home report. Just, just shy of 40,000, I think it was. They offered um, Jonathan over the home report. And oh, God, I can't remember exactly, but they came eighth or something. Eighth out of about 15, 16 offers. Um, and that, that's what they said. I mean, they, they'd missed out on a few mm -hmm. um, closing dates recently. And yeah, thought they would throw the kitchen sink, the whole lot. Mm -hmm. uh, Parents helping them, giving them more money to top up the funds, and yeah, um, even their solicitor when their solicitor they said phoned them back. I mean, even when they were putting the offer in, and um, their solicitor was trying to, to rein them in a wee bit. Yes, um, yes, uh huh. They're saying, "My goodness, you, you don't need to go as high as this. This is a <clears throat> excuse me, a, a crazy offer." Um, but I'm I'm sure I'll be phoning you back later on to say you bought it. But I'm just fearful that you're going to overpay for the property. Um, and that's what they said. They couldn't believe it. Our solicitor phoned back and was like, I, I cannot believe he's came eight with that offer. It was there, just... there was a story doing the rounds there in Scotston. 385 home report went for 105 over home report. It needed work and it wasn't even in the catchment area. Interesting. I, mean, I, th I think we, we had a couple of people for that property that we just sold this week in Jordan Hill, um, and it actually it was I think it was the right thing to do, Jonathan, for a couple of people. <clears throat> they had noted interest through their solicitor. They were ready to offer. 
one couple in particular, really, really keen. List one, Jordan Hill catchment area, and they were getting very much caught up um, in the catchment area and things. And two, I think, I think actually three, didn't we? With three people who, on the morning of the closing date, their solicitor phoned and said, "Listen, I know we've noted interest, but just to let you know, our clients are not going to offer um, because it, some people I think are just feeling that it's just it's going crazy mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. People are buying things. I mean." I've got a client just now who we're selling for. They're kind of desperate to buy something. Um, and that's what my client's saying as well. We're now feeling as if we're going to view properties that we would never even have thought about before. Um, they weren't really on our list of properties we were looking for, but there's such little stock on the market. And I think I'm trying to kind of rein him in a wee bit as well. Mm-hmm. I know it's not maybe even the best idea, but if you feel you're happy with the offer you've got for your property, Maybe going to rent the accommodation for a wee while. In laws have got a massive house that they can move in there. And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean the, the way that the rental market is going now, with the end of the six month short assured tenancy, you could potentially take a, a, a property on and just say to them, listen, I just maybe want it for six weeks. And then yep. you just you move out. I mean, there's so much flexibility now in the rental market that that's. You know, yes, you've got the hassle of a double move, but if it's going to mean that you're not going to get caught up in this madness at the moment, why wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, you've got no, unless you need to be in the market, my view is that you shouldn't be in the market. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, as I said, I, I, I think that's why I said we get three phone calls from the solicitors the other day, just in the morning of the closing date to, to kind of say, I think that's exactly, I mean, certainly one of the couples I spoke directly to. Um, and that's what the young girl said. She said, we've actually just decided, Barry, we are removing ourselves from buying a property mm-hmm. at the moment. And, and then come lovely, back. Yep, they've got a lovely flat in the West End. Um, they're saying, we've decided, yes, we wanted to move, get a front door, back door, move up the, the ladder, get a nice house. But mm-hmm. at the moment, you know what, we're quite happy in a nice one-bedroom flat in Highland. Um, we'll stay there and we'll maybe look at it later on in the year or maybe even into next year because... Even the problem, the one in Jordan Hill that we were selling as well needed a, a bit of work done to it. So people were pushing and pushing and pushing the price to actually buy the property. And then they were going to have to go in and spend more money. And doing it up. Do yeah, the work absolutely. That required. And so are, what, are you finding stock-wise, because to me and dealing with this on a day-to-day basis, as far as the purchases are concerned, it, it's to me, it's just pure economics. There's not enough stock there. There's too many buyers. And so therefore, that's why we've got this spike. Are you feeling, <clears throat> and it's difficult to go on a sort of year by year, because last year we were beginning to go into lockdown. So my question to you is, have you got more stock on at the moment than you did last year and the year before? Or or is it, as most estate agents are saying, is that, well, the stock levels are, are down. And when the stuff goes on, it just it disappears as quick as you put it on. That's exactly the case. I mean, stock levels are definitely down 100%. Um, there's definitely not the stock levels there. And yet, really, that is what's happening, Jonathan. Anything that's coming on, seven to 10 days, mm-hmm. closing dates, or either somebody comes in with a crazy offer to stop it going to a closing date. But vast majority of properties, if it's in a reasonably good location, priced correctly to a certain extent then goes crazy yeah yeah but yeah i mean there's just so many more um buyers than sellers at the moment which can understand a wee bit i mean there's still obviously the the pandemic going on and i know we're kind of doing quite well and 
suppressing the R number and the COVID vaccine rollout, but still people are maybe not that keen to have lots of people traipsing through their door for viewings. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I hadn't really thought about that. And I've, I've put something on the podcast before. I mean, I just had the JAG have had, thank God, no reaction at all, uh, no sore arm, no symptoms or anything like that. And I don't yeah. know anybody who has had a really bad hit with with COVID. So my perception is that, well, it's out there. I've got to wash my hands. I've got to be safe, et cetera, et cetera. So I wouldn't have any great problem about putting my property on the market. But I guess that if you're older and you know people who you know have had a bad experience with it, then your whole mindset will be completely different. And I can understand, therefore, why you probably wouldn't want to put your property on the market. Do you think that there's there is a whole raft of people that once they get jagged up, there'll, there'll be more properties coming onto the market? Well, that certainly seems to be the talk amongst people like yourself. I mean, mortgage brokers, solicitors, surveyors, estate agents. I mean, yeah, that kind of, I think they were hoping that would be the situation. But I, I think, yeah, I think that must be the situation to a certain extent that people are really kind of keen to move. But I mean, I've heard some, some of the numbers I've heard through houses. We've had lots of viewers from lots of properties as well. But I mean, it has been very much social distance and masks, PPE, yeah, equipment, yeah. sanitizer all that kind of thing. But I mean, some of the properties um, that I've heard, even with other agents and some of the properties I said that we've had, I mean, you can have, I, mean, I heard one in Bears Den, was it two, three weeks ago, between the Friday, Saturday and Sunday, um, had almost 60 viewers or something booked in over the course uh-huh. of three days. And you're thinking, well, how many people come to a viewing themselves? Not very many, it will usually be a couple maybe or whatever, and then it might be a couple with children or whatever as well. So if you've got that many viewers booked in, actually how many people, does that equate to actually physically going through your house? Yeah. So there will be a lot of people who, a bit like yourself, Jonathan, you said, who haven't maybe had a terrible experience with COVID or known somebody close to them who's been badly affected or whatever, and they're happy to get, I mean, I, I am amazed sometimes, I mean, that you know, with the valuations and viewings, I mean, the valuations and viewings, we, we were a wee bit surprised, if I'm being brutally honest, when we came into this lockdown again. I mean, myself and business partner Stuart, I mean, we thought it would be the way everyone was talking back to March last year. Um, and it would be virtual viewings and virtual valuations. But as soon as it was kind of told that the housing market, it kind of almost was as you were, it was, oh, right. So we can still go to people's houses and do valuations. Uh-huh. And, and It felt a wee bit strange. So, I mean, we've just been very, very careful um, with what we're doing with going into people's houses and probably not going into as many houses as we normally would. Surveyors who I've spoken to, I mean, they're kind of the exact same thing. Um, whereas sometimes a certain surveyor was doing five home reports during one day, they'll maybe do now two home reports and, and keep it at that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think um, just, it's, it's just been a strange, strange time, obviously, with the, with the whole situation. I wanted to ask a question about home reports. I've got a client at the moment <clears throat> who is selling his property and he's got a home report value of 125, okay? And he knows a pal, it's in um, Thornwood. So he knows a pal who sold the property. And the only difference is that he's got a dark kitchen and a light bathroom, but the other person who was selling had a light kitchen and a dark bathroom, okay? Yeah. Um, 
I mean windows, you'll, you'll understand that. Um, and one was valued at 125 by the Home Report and the other one was 145 by the Home Report. How can there possibly be such a disparity? And the, the one at 145 was the one that was sold and the one that's going into the market now is at 125. I, I so can't... They sell at 145 or that the actual... No, no, the, 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 the Home Report was 145 and they sold at 152. Is, is it, I think it can, can be the same severe. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the name of the the estate agent, so I don't know who it was. Um, but it just seemed to me. I mean, if the exact same, if the exact same type of property, exact same floor plan, square footage, um, it's the exact same footprint and done to a similar standard. But you know, you're saying light and dark or whatever. But um, yeah, there certainly shouldn't be. 20 grand's worth of a difference. 20,000 pounds of a difference in the valuation. So, I mean, a lot of things with home reports, as you'll know yourself, it's about comparable sales, comparable properties. Yes, obviously, surveyors take into consideration so many comparables and so many factors when mm -hmm. coming to valuation. But <clears throat> if they can see that a very similar property just recently has sold for 152 with a 145 home report, then you would certainly be hoping that to have that in your armory and go back to the surveyor and say, well, here we go. Here's some evidence of a previous sale just recently. Yeah. Uh, similar style property. Can you, I mean, we, we had one yesterday where um, the client's done the home report themselves. It was actually on with another agent and didn't work out too well. It's now transferred over to us. Um, so they had their own um, home report done and the surveyor came back. Um, and again, we, we kind of thought the home report value was, was maybe a, a wee bit on the low side, but by showing some comparables and things and everything, um, mm -hmm. the other properties that had so I mean, the, the price that was put in the home report maybe was the value six months, a year ago, but um, things have kind of moved on a wee bit. And by being able to show a couple of sales, um, that the severe maybe wasn't too, wasn't aware of. Um, we were able to show comparables for some sales to similar type properties. Yeah. We were able to home report up in value um, a, a wee bit. So, um, so I think that's what I'll do. I'll go back to him and, and see, listen, you need to get the address of the property and just confirmation of what exactly is in that property. So it is, you know, an apples for apples and then go back to the estate agent and say, well, listen, can you go back to the valuer and just say, listen, we think this is a little bit light because it, it's all very well having your home report value. But if your home report value is significantly lower and you don't get the benefit of a home, if you don't get a benefit of a closing date, then everybody's going to base their offer on the home report value. So if your home report value is light, the chances are in a one-to-one -one negotiation, you're not getting anywhere near the 140 that her, his pal got. Exactly, definitely not. So yeah, I think there's certainly a a discussion to be had there between um, all parties involved and hopefully maybe get the valuation up a wee bit. Let's talk about client expectation because I think that must be really difficult for you because the talk for everybody is 15%, 10%, 8%, and it's all the talk is over home report value. So how do you try and, I mean, what's your... What do you say to clients then when they say, listen, well, of course I can expect 10% over home report value because, you know, my pal got that. It's a conversation we have to have with just about every single client just now. Um, so, yeah, you, you, sometimes you have got to manage the expectation. I mean, so many clients, as soon as you go out to market the property, get it on the market. So, so when, it's when's the closing date getting set? <laughs> So they're not even on the market yet and they're saying, when's the closing date? 
exactly. You're not even on the market. You're not right. There's duplicate. I'm, I'm not even taking a photograph yet. Um, and, and we're talking about closing dates. And I mean, you're so right, Jonathan. I mean, everyone minimum they seem to have in their head at the moment is ten percent. I mean, it, it, now, like you said, fifteen percent. It seems to be creeping up and creeping up as well. Um, some properties, some areas, less than hundred percent, will definitely um, kind of get these prices. Some properties won't. It's a, it's said it's just. Sometimes people just think it's a given that the property is going to go to a closing date. Um, it's a given that they're going to, I mean, there's some closing dates we've had recently and you're, you're phoning the client with this, the, the, the kind of top offer or whatever, obviously going through all the offers uh, and uh -huh. you, you get to the top offer and you're thinking this client is just going to be over the moon and they're going to be thinking, oh my goodness, can't believe. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a reasonable offer. Yeah. Quite, quite, quite happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I mean, if the pubs were open, we'd be going down the pub and high-fiving and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and celebrating at that kind of price. So, yeah, I mean, we had one just um, actually this week um, that Stuart was dealing with, um, and that's exactly what we had to do, is kind of manage expectations, because um, the last thing you want to be doing is just telling people, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll get 10 15%. And then they're disappointed maybe if they, if they don't get it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's very much trying to explain to people how closing dates come about, what you need for a closing date to actually happen, how much interest, notes of interest, all these kind of things. Um, and telling people, obviously, whatever somebody's, whatever the home report value is in a property, you've got to understand that's all they can do the mortgage based on. Mm. So, yeah. a lot of first time buyer properties still even amazes me to be honest Jonathan I'm sure with you doing mortgages you'll be surprised as well what first-time buyers can sometimes find to pay over home report value yeah whether it's through the bank of mum and dad or wherever they're getting the finances and things from but properties when people are making a second or a third step up the ladder up the property ladder then they've got equity possibly from their own property sale and they're able to pay over the home report value but and I said it's trying to tell people whatever the home report value is that's what they can do their mortgage based on. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's got to have a 10% deposit to begin with or whatever, they've got to have a, a fairly chunky cash deposit to begin with. And then if they've got to go 10, 15% over the home report value, I mean, that's a big chunk of change. <laughs> you've, yes. you've, got to, you've got to put your hand on. So yeah, I mean, as I said, it's, it, it very much is at the moment trying to every property you're bringing on, trying to explain to people how the situation will work and, Yes, we'll be working to get you the best possible price, but it's not just a given that you're going to get 10, 15 percent. I mean, even just some smaller properties or whatever that you know aren't going to go massively over home report, but get. I said people just at the moment think it's a, a given right um, that they're going to get um, well, these prices. And I, I'll tell you another story. Um, our fr friends at Clyde on Byers Road, we put a proper, an offer in, we didn't get it. Um, I think we offered about 180 and that was, you know, that was, you know, getting every penny from behind the couch. Uh, and I think we were 10, 15K over home report value. We weren't at the races um, and it went for 15K over what we offered for. And, and, and I said, it's nice wood. It's not nice wood London, it's nice wood Glasgow. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, the, the madness, there is no end to it. There is no end to it. And I think, yes, when I say there's no end to it, clearly there will be an end to it once more stock comes on, on the basis that we hope that more stock comes on. But it won't be, it will be a sort of a gradual, I would guess, 
calming of the waters. It wouldn't suddenly, everybody suddenly sort of fall off a, a cliff. It would just yeah. depend as to how quickly property comes on and as again, how, how many people are out there at the time when more properties come on to the market. I think there's just so many factors with everything at the moment. I mean, obviously we've got um, furlough meant to be coming to an end um, in September. We've said furlough's coming to an end so many times and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been extended. So I think a lot of people, I mean, hopefully, yes, things will start easing a wee bit as restrictions ease and more properties do come onto the market. People feel a bit more confident. We're getting into that kind of springtime market where it's perceived as being a sort of better time to get your property on the market. But I think just got to be cautious, I think, to a certain extent as well, because I think a lot of people are maybe now starting to think, well, OK, it's going to be fantastic that I put my own property on the market and I'm going to get a fantastic price from mm -hmm. property. But the money that you make from the sale of your property, you're just going to end up spending it exactly. um, when, when you go to buy something else. I mean, even some of the properties I've seen selling round about the streets that I live in things recently, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like, mm -hmm. could, could put my house up for sale. But um, yeah. as I said to my wife, I was like, oh, all we would end up doing is selling the property and then trying to make a, a move up the ladder or whatever that we don't even really need to do. And you would end up just spending all that money um, on something else. So I think people maybe this year could be a wee bit cautious to kind of wait and see how the market um, pans out and is right now the best time to be selling because mm. it's just there's, there's so many factors and things there but and i said it's a good time to sell your property but with um, having to sort of try and buy something else then we seem to have quite a lot of landlords looking to sell at the moment and oh, that's interesting situation for them they're not moving up the ladder they're just selling a property from their portfolio or whatever so some are kind of jumping on it at the moment um, that well it's a good time to sell and I'm maybe not getting the return from a property portfolio or whatever that I was looking to get and the changes in legislation that continuously seem to yeah. certainly a few landlord sales recently which have been good. I think certainly with those that are buying and paying over the home report value can be some way comforted as long as they stay in the property for a long period of time, because eventually, although they're immediately into negative equity and the property, I always think, is only worth what, only worth what the second person was prepared to pay for it. Um, that if they keep the property for long enough, the market will catch up and they will then get into positive territory again. And if they keep the property for you know, 10, 15 years, they will look back and irrespective of, you know, if the market continues to move forward, they'll still think and, and look at what they bought with rose-tinted glasses and they'll forget that they paid you know, a ridiculous sum over the home report because the market will have caught up and moved forward. I mean, it, it, it's happened forever as far as the property is concerned. I tell people, I mean, people ask for advice when they're putting offers in, if you're selling their property and they're trying to buy something else, and Barry, what will offer um, at the closing date? That's a conversation we're having with so many clients at the moment. What do you think we should offer? And yeah. it's very much like that. If it's, a, if it's a forever home, Jonathan, then it's no okay. You can't afford to push the boat out um, a wee bit. I mean, the client could have up towards £50,000 offering over um, the home report value recently. And, they just got the property and kind of knew everyone else was going to be in that kind of ballpark, but then that 50 grand over the home report is just incredible price. It's, um, it, it's, it sticks them. They'll never move from, it's uh -huh. been extended, yep. it's got nice five-fold doors out the back and kids and oh, they just had everything for them and that's what they said, if, if they get it, 
they'll be annoyed with what they paid to the property for a short period of time, but mm-hmm. then they'll they'll forget about it because they'll they'll never need to move again. But it, it sticks in my craw that anybody should pay more than home report value. I mean, I think I don't think I've ever bought anything at over home. Maybe that's because I'm just a, such a tight arse, but I've never paid over home report value because I just I, I just I mean, I'll tell you the story about where we're at at the moment. It was marketed by Clyde. We've been in this place for about 15 years, marketed by Clyde back in the day. And we went to see it. And with me, with my legal hat on, I said to my wife, my good lady wife, I said, listen, we're not going to bother putting an offer in because we need to be at this level. And there's no way that we're going to be anywhere near that level. So listen, I'm not even going to waste my time. I'm too busy at work with other closing dates. Listen, just, and she said, all right, fair enough. But go and and speak to them and find out what it went for. So at least we would know how we would get on in the future. So we would have an idea whether or not our forever home was just a pipe dream. So I phone up Clyde and I can't remember if I spoke to Gary Thompson or not. And then he said, I said, uh, so tell me what it went for. Tell me the bad news. And he said, well, we're not sold it. And I thought, bloody hell. They're obviously wanting a ridiculous amount and somebody hasn't been prepared to say that. It says, no, 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 we just didn't get any offers that our client was accepting. I said, well, what would your client want? And the client said, the client came back with a number which was 10 grand less than I was going to be putting an offer in for originally. (laughs) So I tell you what, the heart rate was about 60. I then had the conversation with him and it rocketed up to about 200. I was scrambling on the phone trying to get the offer into him before anybody else did that. And of course, I tell that story to all my clients and I say, listen, you can't take, I can't give you that advice. You, You have to roll the dice and, and have a go because so you just you just don't know. Yeah, I mean, I was doing a viewing of two, three, four weeks ago, maybe, or something, um, and the clients said the exact same thing to me. So funny, actually, told me. Um, he said, I'm just not paying over home report for property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> I said, I can understand that you're kind of thinking that um, the home report value is kind of, well, that's about an independent charter surveyor has valued the property at, and um, that, that's all I'm prepared to pay. And, it's exactly what I was like, John. At the moment, you're going to be looking for a long, long time uh-huh. um, and had a good chat with him. So I haven't spoken to him again since. I've seen him at any other properties, but um, I think hopefully he'll maybe realise he maybe needs to change a wee bit. But yeah, I mean, some people, if you get the right property at the right time, the right situation, um, I can understand. I mean, it would break my heart to be paying tens and tens of thousands of pounds over home report values for properties at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just as you say, that not paying over home report, it was so funny to say, just a young guy, but I mean, he was very headstrong and uh-huh. I was quite proud of him. You'll learn, you'll learn. I said, that's great, definitely, but um, I just kind of tried to give him a wee bit of advice. I said, don't go crazy, but I said, if you're really, if you find something that you're really keen on, I said, you're probably going to have to go over home report value. I said, if there's other interesting things in the property, just the way the market is, you, you will need to go a wee bit over the home report. So I think he took the advice. Good stuff, good stuff. Listen, the move was very much, you know, a few years ago, you must go online, it's all online. Obviously, you went online, but you've sort of reversed that and opened up in Woodlands. So tell me a little bit about the the thought processes in doing that, and then tell me how things are going yourself with Walker Wiley. Yeah, I mean, we'd gotten to the stage, um, Jonathan, where we thought that 
we were moving on and we were evolving. And I mean, when we first started, obviously, as you said, it was kind of that kind of, it was kind of more, kind of looking at more a hybrid um, kind of model sort of online, but estate agency service and still doing um, what the high street estate agents do because sometimes didn't feel really the service was getting given. Mm, so it really is all about service. But yeah, I think we were doing quite well for ourselves, probably punching above our weight a wee bit. And maybe people were seeing us on social media and hopefully starting to hear about us um, a wee bit. And just with being in a nice office and a converted townhouse, it was all nice. And people could still come into the office and do what they do in our office here. But um, people could see us. Nobody kind of knew um, we were there. Whereas now on Woodlands Road, it's a very busy thoroughfare and mm. uh, lots of people drive by every day. And it's amazing how many people stop and look in the window as well. So hopefully now if people have been hearing about Walker Wiley estate agents, they've maybe seen us online or they've seen us for sale boards. Now maybe they drive by the office and say, oh, that's where the guys are. That's where, um, where the business premises is. So it's nice we have had footfall through the door, but I think with most estate agents, I mean, mentioning Clyde and Gary Thompson, I mean, as you probably know, that's where uh, we were before starting up and things. And I could be in the buyer's road office with Clyde and Clyde been about for 30 years or whatever. Um, and if somebody came into the office on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday morning, it's kind of like, um, can, I, can I help you? <laughs> right. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do you want? I mean, the phones would be ringing off the hook um, for valuations and viewings. But it's now the stage. I mean, if today I decide I want to buy a property somewhere or you decide you want to buy a property, you're not going to go and trips up and down the high streets. And no. Went to all the offices. I remember buying my first property in the South Side years and years ago. That's what you've done. I mean, Commandant Road in Shawlands, it was a Saturday morning or whatever, in and out every single estate agent, getting your brochures and under that, your arm. Was, but that, that was the brochures where they actually had the photographs where they stuck the photographs onto the brochures. So, yeah, I mean, we just got to the stage where we kind of thought that we need to. Where we, where we want to take Walker Wiley to, we want to hopefully have more offices, we want to build a brand and kind of move on. And um, we couldn't do that um, in a converted townhouse office. We just, we just no. couldn't do it. Um, so, the opportunity... so, so do you think that in building the brand, you've got your social media, but do you still think that having a billboard on the high street is important? And the reason why I ask is because I think that for us at Crow Road, where we are, I mean, we are on an amazingly busy road which takes people from Milgai and Bears Den into the Clyde Tunnel. You know, you've got your Helensborough traffic uh, that, that turns right off of Great Western Road down Crow Road. And what's happening now with us is that we're having people, I mean, I say that every car that drives past is a potential client. It's just we need to catch them at the right time. And, and all I think we've bought is an expensive billboard. And we're getting we're now getting those people who are phoning bar, phoning up and saying, oh, I now need a mortgage. So do you think that, that that is necessary in order to grow your brand to have that billboard? I think so, to be honest, Jonathan. And, and saying that billboard kind of analogy, that, that, that is exactly what I tell people. And it's what um, I say to most people when we talk about the office. Our office now in Woodlands Road literally is a big billboard for us. Um, that's really to an extent what it is. As I said, yes, it's nice that the odd person will come into the office and want to speak to us or whatever and things and mm -hmm. people in the local area or whatever. And it's, it's, it's nice to have that. But um, as I said, it very much is, I think, a big billboard for us. Um, it's great advertising for us. But I think with estate agency, Jonathan, it's just, it's, it's, it's nine times out of 10, people selling their property 
it's their biggest asset. It's it's a huge thing, and not that I would ever want to badmouth people online or one man band, one woman band, or whatever who who do things their own way. There's a place for I, th I think for everyone um, in the market, but I, I feel that people maybe not even going to come into the office that much, but by having the high street presence, I think it just gives people that bit of certainty and confidence that, okay, right, okay, I might never need to come into the office. I mean, even since we've been here, I mean, the amount of clients, properties I've sold, they've never been into the office. Um, but I think, as I said, it gives people a wee bit of confidence with an estate agent. And as you said, people driving by constantly all the time, you might just get them at the right time um, and thinking, oh, well, the last six months I haven't needed an estate agent, but now I do. And the Hopefully, been driving by and Walker Wiley, Walker Wiley's kind of subconsciously getting it mm -hmm. into your brain somewhere, yeah. like um, obviously your place in Crow Road. So, yeah, I think we kind of resisted it for a long time and didn't maybe think that we needed it. And it was a lot more property professionals and maybe our peers and people who we maybe take a wee bit of mentorship from and things and speak to about certain things. and. Like guys, you are, are doing incredibly well. You really need to move to the high street and to move the brand on. And, and I said, we kind of resisted it and resisted it. Oh, I don't really know. We can give really good service levels and maybe keep the cost down for clients or whatever a wee bit without being on the high street. And yeah, we're on the high street. I kind of wish we'd done it <laughs> a <laughs> earlier. Um, it's In hindsight and all that. But um, yeah, I think for to build the brand and really take the business on. I feel people, as I said, they might still not want to go into a high street office, but I think having a high street office certainly builds a confidence and builds brand. And mm. as I said, I think people, and I said, they might not actually come in, but I think they like the fact that you've got a high street office. Interesting, you were talking about mentorship there. You've now been on the go for, tell me, is it three, four years? Nearly five. Nearly five, back. gosh. Um, mentorship, I've, I've been on the go now for, I think, to, this is our, I think we're into our third year now, and, and I do a bit of coaching with a guy, Javi Peralta, who I've had on the show as a business coach, and, and he is very keen on talking about vision, mission, and values, and it's something that I, I'm fairly nailed on as far as what our values are, which, which are um, education, uh, excellence, and transparency. Um, but I'm, I'm still a bit woolly on the vision and, and, the, and the mission. Have, have you thought about that kind of thing? Have you got that yeah, nailed you've, down? You've got one of ours as well, transparency. Um, kind, of, kind of buzz phrase or whatever. Trust and transparency um, is kind of at the heart of everything we do. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I think it's massive. Um, one of the things with ourselves, Jonathan, is we have a Walker Wiley price list for talking sake. We have a, a price list. You can go onto our website and people know from day one uh, what it is they've got to pay uh, to sell the property. We've got a tiered structure depending on the value of your property. It's not smoke and mirrors. Yeah, so, I mean, I just, again, not wanting to badmouth the way other agents do things or whatever. I mean, I've been there and done it myself, but a lot of time in my previous roles, it was listen, I'd come into your house, Jonathan, maybe to sell your property for you. And it'd be like, mm, right, okay, how much do I think I can get a Jonathan to sell the property? Um, what do I think Jonathan will pay? Um, and a lot of time people would phone up places where I used to work and it'd be like, well, how much do you charge to sell the property? Oh, don't worry, we'll get Barry booked in the diary and Barry will pop out and 
Barry will have a chat with you, but yeah, okay, I'm just I'm kind of looking for a, a rough guideline. What's the sales fee? What's the marketing fee? What's this? But Barry will discuss that when he comes out and see you. So yeah. a lot of that was, when we first started up, it was one of the things that, I mean, speaking to people, what would you want to see from the state agent? Would you rather it be a commission? Would you rather it be a fixed fee or whatever? And it was one of the things that people just kind of thought, I mean, it's not, ideal but a lot of time um, estate agents are usually kind of the top one of the top hated professions out there and things so sometimes rightly sometimes wrongly we don't get sometimes the, the best of names um, and we just wanted it to be a bit different and have the, the trust and the transparency and um, that people as I said if somebody phones up and they want some details we can obviously speak to them on the phone but after that we can di direct them to the website and say you can go to the website anytime at all if your property is worth this, then that's what we will charge um, to sell your property. So I think people like that. Um, and it's about having this kind of these values and the trust. Selling a property, everyone will always try and sell themselves on their service and say, oh, my big differentiator um, is the service. Mm -hmm. One of the things I didn't like as well previously was that, I mean, I would go to people's property, they would maybe hopefully buy into me as a person because trusting someone to sell your property, it's, it's a huge, huge thing. Absolutely um, huge. And people would hopefully buy into me as a person, they would decide to sell, sell the property through my company I was working with or whatever, and sign the contract, and then I'd go back to the office, boom, there's Jonathan's details, give Jonathan the phone, get him on the market, and then Jonathan would be on the phone, like, oh, where's Barry? Oh, Barry's 15 houses down the road. See <laughs> on the next one. <laughs> Dealing with other people. Um, whereas with ourselves, I mean, you have a dedicated sales negotiator assigned to you in the office, but I mean, I work very closely with that negotiator and we all work closely together in the office to make sure that people are getting looked after and people can phone me at seven, eight o'clock at night, sometimes not ideal, but people have the mobile number, they can pick up the phone if something's worrying them, if a viewer's not turned up or something and they want yeah, to yeah. phone or whatever. So it's, it's, it is really about service for us and having the personal thing, me and Stuart sat for goodness knows how many pints and how many times in the pub deciding what we were going to call the business and eventually we got well, Walker Wiley, let's just go, I mean, we were trying to find a jazzy, funky name or whatever. Back it, back it, back it, why not Wiley Walker, was there, was there a sort of um, rock, paper, scissors on that? How did you, how did you work that or did you just claim that Walker Wiley sounded better? <laughs> Walker Wiley sounds better, but it also comes first in the if you go alphabetically. Um, so Walker would come before Wiley. So um, yeah, Wiley Walker doesn't sound right. So Walk Walker Wiley. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Stuart, Stuart's laughing here in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. He's not patient. He says. <laughs> Listen, you've been you've been great, um, and we're gonna we're gonna have you on again. Um, I'm conscious of the time here, and I did say I would only take half an hour of your time. So just before I walk you to the exit, I've got some questions, very quick questions. They're all about firsts, okay? And I just okay. want a one word answer, okay? <laughs> First property that you bought. First property I bought was Montford Avenue in Kings Park. Did you make money from it? Yes, I did. Uh, first tee or football? What was that, sorry? First tee or football? Football. Football. Um, first foot or hunker down? Are you a party man or are you just, no, I'm quite happy with my own company? No, food. Good stuff. First bus or taxi? Taxi. A first choice or Airbnb? Mm, Airbnb. 
Yep. Um, first car? Volkswagen. Golf. And first film? Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Really? <laughs> Probably wasn't, but I think it's the first one I can remember going to the cinema to watch. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Good man. And then first amongst equals or fact. And what this is all about is books. So are you a fact or a fiction man? Fact. Very much so. Fact. Okay. Talk to me about the most recent thing you've read. Um, I'm currently listening to an audible just now. Um, Brian Keane, um, Rewire Your Mindset. Um, so I'm listening to that just now, kind of very much getting into the kind of thing of, well, get into it for a wee while, but um, mindset is just massive. I mean, uh -huh. If you get your and, mindset right on so many things, then so many other things follow from that. And so the premise, well, the book is re what was it, rewire your mindset. So is he talking rewire about if you've got a fixed mindset to then how you go about changing that? Yeah, I mean a lot of it they talk about, I mean, having your, your ladder up against the right wall. Um yes, once Stephen Covey. Yep. Um, is what they talk about as well. And um, yeah, I mean, just how people have so many debilitating thoughts about, oh, I, I can't, I, I mean, I, I can't sit up in a state agency. I couldn't do that. Um, I'll, I'll stay. At Limiting a beliefs. Yeah, very much so. Um, so yeah, ha having that kind of trying to rewire your mindset from what the way that you've always thought about something. So if you kind of, as I said, you've always thought that you can't do this, you've got to get out there and as I said, kind of change your mindset a wee bit, believe that you can. Obviously, you've got to go and take calculated risks and things. Don't just jump about and uh -huh. do things without putting some thought into it. But um, yeah, um, if you want something in life, to be honest, you've, you've got to go and get it. People talk about things. I mean, um, I won't tell you what age I am at the moment, but um, it's amazing how one minute you're kind of celebrating your 18th or 21st birthday or something, and the next minute you're having children and married and you're kind yeah. of where you are in life, things move far too quickly. So you just don't want to have any regrets. So that's how I think myself and Stuart got to set up Walker Wiley. We were um, thinking about it for a long time, but we hopefully got our mindset right to eventually go and do it. It's interesting that you talk about limiting beliefs and, and with the coaching that I have, I've had with Javier, limiting beliefs is probably something that has held me back initially with regards to the mortgage because you're always thinking, well, where's the next mortgage going to be coming from? Where's the next client going to be coming from? And what he said to me, he said, well, how many properties do you think are sold in Scotland? I gave him a figure. And how many do you think in Glasgow? And it was like thousands in a year, right? And he said, well, how many do you need in order to you know, get your, your goals? And I'm thinking, well, you know, to be an absolute, you know, beating my goals hands down. If I did 200 mortgages a year, and he said 200, he says, that should be easy. Why, why are you concerned about that? And that's 200 out of all the thousands of mortgages that get done. And I'm thinking, gosh, he's so right. Limiting beliefs are just, they, they just are so, so bad for you. But again, it's just difficult. And trying to rewire, as you say, your mindset is so, so important. It's what I mean, what you hear some people that do. I mean, this guy, Brian Keane, I mean, he's ran six back-to-back -back marathons in the Sahara Desert. He's done all sorts of things. And um, I mean, there's people like David Goggins or whatever, Can't Hurt Me in Things book, uh, which a lot of people seem to be talking about at the moment. But yeah. it's it's amazing. I think, what was it, he, Brian Keane was saying or whatever, that um, I don't even know if it's Brian Keane, maybe somebody else, um, that when you're doing fitness for talking sake, I mean, if you're out on a run or something and you think you're about to collapse, you're really only at 40% mm -hmm. of your capacity, probably yeah. maximum. Yeah. And if you just 
keep putting one foot in front of the other. I know it sounds easy to do, but um, if you keep pushing beyond boundaries and barriers, then it's amazing what you can do. And, and I said, people just go through it their whole life and think, well, okay, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I would never be any good at doing this, or I would never be any good um, at doing that. If you need to get the knowledge to go and do something, then go and get the knowledge. Mm. And if you've got to retrain to do something, if you're and I said it's about having ladders up against the wrong wall and the guy Brian Keane, I mean, he wanted to be a primary school teacher or I think it was a high school teacher maybe actually, um, and very quickly realised that no, this is not what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a fitness coach and things. Um, and so many people go their whole life and they keep climbing up the wrong ladder and um, you've got if, you, if things aren't working out for you and it's not what you want to do and if it's not making you happy, as he said, he would worked out, I think, about 40 weeks of the year. Um, he was unhappy because those 40 weeks were um, the Monday to Friday when he, he went to work and got the Friday euphoria. <coughs> and when work's finishing on a Friday, he gets the weekend, and then he would get the Sunday night blues, thinking about having to go back to work yeah. um, on the Monday. So he rewired his mindset and changed his mindset, and he decided that, nope, I can be a fitness coach, and I can be having the job that I want to do. And he had to take a bit of pain for a long time, and didn't have the money that he was having but that's what he said I mean he was earning £40,000 as a teacher um, and right at the beginning he was earning £20,000 as a fitness coach and he said he was happier. So, much more, so much more happier earning the less money he obviously yeah. Yeah. earns multiple times that now but um, yeah so that's what I've been reading at the moment so good halfway through that Good stuff. Listen, how can people get in touch with you just uh, give them an idea of what your, your contact details are yeah, I mean, you can go into the website to walkerwiley.co.uk if you want to drop us an email, info at walkerwiley.co.uk. If you want to pick up the phone, 0141 404 And If you want to email me directly, which I'm more than happy for you to do, it's barry at walkerwiley.co.uk. Brilliant, Barry. You've got that down, Pat. Listen, thanks very much. You've been a star. No, listen, thanks for having us on, Jonathan. Really appreciate it. And hopefully once we, you've had your vaccine, hopefully once I've had my vaccine and we can get back out to play properly, we'll, we'll catch up in person sometime soon, okay? Look forward to that. Cheers. All right, take care. <laughs>